everyone, and welcome back to Jeff's Bible Trek. This is episode six in our series, After the Heart of God. And I'm going to apologize in advance. I am getting over some sort of ailment and uh, may have a little congestion that gets in the way of talking clearly. <laughs> so today we are putting in at 2 Samuel 8, 1 to 14, where there is a description of David's many victories. Twice it says, the Lord gave David victory everywhere he went. But the fact of the matter is, it wasn't easy, and there were lessons learned along the way. I'd like you to listen to Psalm 60, where it sounds as though there were times when God wasn't there for David and his army. Listen to these words. God, it seems like you walked off and left us. Why have you turned against us? You have been angry with us. O Lord, we plead, come back and help us as a father. Seems his confidence is a little rattled here. The earth quivers and shakes before you, splitting open and breaking apart. Now come and heal it, for it is shaken to its depths. You have taught us hard lessons and made us drink the wine of bewilderment. Wow. David is reading my mail. I don't know about you. I I have felt that way many, many times. You have given miraculous signs to those who love you. As we follow you, we fly the flag of truth, and all who love the truth will rally to it. Come to your beloved ones and gently draw us out. For Lord, you save those whom you love. Come with your might and strength. Then I heard the Lord speak in his holy splendor. (laughs) Sounds like he's ready for an attitude adjustment here. From his sanctuary, I, I heard the Lord promise, In my triumph, I will be the one to measure out the portion of my inheritance to my people, and I will secure the land as I promised you. Shechem, Sukkoth, Gilead, Manasseh, they are all still mine, he says. Judah will continue to produce kings and lawgivers, and Ephraim will produce great warriors. Moab will become my lowly servant. This is still God talking. Edom will likewise serve my purposes. I will lift up a shout of victory over the land of Philistia. But who will bring my triumph into the strong city? Who will lead me into Edom's fortress? And here's some of the bewilderment in verse 10. Have you really rejected us, refusing to fight our battles? Give us a father's help when we face our enemies, for to trust in any man is an empty hope. With God's help, we will fight like heroes, and he will trample down our every foe. What powerful faith declarations those are. Just declaring victory before it even happens. And there are three highlights there. He views God as a father. He relies on God's help. And he trusts in God's help. So the one who is after the heart of God will not get too cocky, will give all the glory to God for victories, will view God as a father, and completely rely on and trust in God to go ahead of us and secure the victories.
Thank you, Lord. Next is an incident that was one of David's most shameful moments, the incident with Bathsheba in 2 Samuel 11, 1 to 12, 14. You probably know the story. David stays home from going off to war. Now, this could have been a problem in itself. David was used to going off to war in the spring, like all the kings of that day did. So he may be kind of bored. All the men were off fighting and were not home with their wives. Now, normally when David was home, the men would be home also. And so an adulterous thought wouldn't normally come into his mind. But alas, the adulterous act did take place. Had Bathsheba not become pregnant, the incident might never have been discovered, but it was discovered. So David's course of action is to bring Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, home and get him to sleep with his wife so the pregnancy will be attributed to Uriah. Well, Uriah was a man of honor. He was one of David's mighty men, by the way. David's men never engaged in sexual relations with their wives during times of war. So Uriah, he kept himself from Bathsheba. Well, that didn't work. So David plots Uriah's murder. I mean, this just boggles my mind. Wait, isn't this David? I mean, this King David, the man after God's own heart? What is going on here? So the murderous deed is done, and David is caught in his sins of adultery and murder. You'll say, how could a man after God's own heart do this? Well, David, after all, was just a man. The fact is, anyone can be caught up in adultery. People are surprised that it happens often in their own lives. Most men and women, I would venture to say, don't plan for it to happen, but it sneaks up on them when they least expect it. I don't think David went up on the roof to look for someone to sleep with. His eyes just landed on someone who looked appealing. But for the heart that's in pursuit of God, it's all about what we do next. Unfortunately, being bored with all the men being out of town And this beautiful woman by herself, he chooses the wrong action. There are two psalms written uh, during this time by David, Psalms 51 and 32. And there seems to be some time that passes between their writing. Psalm 51 was written very close to the adultery and murder. And right in the title, it says, A prayer of confession when the prophet Nathan exposed King David's adultery with Bathsheba. And so first you have David's confession in verses 1 to 6. God, give me mercy from your fountain of forgiveness. I know your abundant love is enough to wash away my guilt. Because your compassion is so great, take away this shameful guilt of sin. Forgive the full extent of my rebellious ways and erase this deep stain on my conscience. For I'm so ashamed. I feel such pain and anguish within me. 
I can't get away from the sting of my sin against you, Lord. Everything I did, I did right in front of you, for you saw it all. Against you and you above all have I sinned. Everything you say to me is infallibly true, and your judgment conquers me. Lord, I have been a sinner from birth from the moment my mother conceived me. Wow, that verse, that, that is an interesting New Testament truth written about by the Apostle Paul in Romans 5. I know that you delight to set your truth deep in my spirit, so come into the hidden places of my heart and teach me wisdom. And then we have David's cleansing in verses 7 to 11. Purify my conscience. Make this leper clean again. Wash me in your love until I am pure in heart. Satisfy me in your sweetness, and my song of joy will return. The places you have crushed within me will rejoice in your healing touch. Hide my sins from your face. Erase all my guilt by your saving grace. Keep creating in me a clean heart. Fill me with pure thoughts and holy desires ready to please you. May you never reject me. May you never take from me your sacred spirit. And then we have his consecration from verses 12 to the end. Let my passion for life be restored tasting joy in every breakthrough you bring to me. Hold me close to you with a willing spirit that obeys whatever you say. Then I can show other guilty ones how loving and merciful you are. They will find their way back home to you, knowing that you will forgive them. O God, my saving God, deliver me fully from every sin, even the sin that brought blood guilt then my heart will once again be thrilled to sing the passionate songs of joy and deliverance. Lord God, unlock my heart, unlock my lips, and I will overcome with my joyous praise. For the source of your pleasure is not in my performance or the sacrifices I might offer to you. The fountain of your pleasure is found in the sacrifice of my shattered heart before you. You will not despise my tenderness as I bow down humbly at your feet. Because you favor Zion, do what is good for her. Be the protecting wall around Jerusalem, and when we are fully restored, you will rejoice and take delight in every offering of our lives as we bring our sacrifices of righteousness before you in love. Now, while that sounds repentant, and I'm, I'm sure I didn't do it justice in the way that David was saying it, I, I don't think any translation of this psalm can, be, can adequately portray the emotion that David was releasing. I'm pretty confident he was sobbing his way through every word. Now, I want to delve into Psalm 32. Now, I don't know how much time went by between these psalms, but in Psalm 32, David is looking back on his sins and repentance, almost like a testimony. Remember something David said in Psalm 51, 13? He said, then I can show other guilty ones 
how loving and merciful you are, they will find their way back home to you, knowing that you will forgive them. So I think David wrote Psalm 32 in order to follow up on that verse and show others the way home to the presence of God. Listen to these words. First of all, in the title, it says, A Poem of Insight and Instruction by King David. What bliss belongs to the one whose rebellion has been forgiven, those whose sins are covered by blood? What bliss belongs to those who have confessed their corruption to God? For he wipes their slates clean and removes hypocrisy from their hearts. Before I confessed my sins, I kept it all inside. My dishonesty devastated my inner t- in my inner life, causing my life to be filled with frustration, irrepressible anguish, and misery. The pain never let up, for your hand of conviction was heavy on my heart. My strength was sapped. My inner life dried up like a spiritual drought within my soul. Then... I finally admitted to you all my sins, refusing to hide them any longer. I said, my life-giving God, I will openly acknowledge my evil actions. And you forgave me all at once. The guilt of my sin washed away and all of my pain disappeared. This is what I've learned through it all. All believers should confess their sins to God. Do it every time God has uncovered you in the time of exposing. For if you do this, when sudden storms of life overwhelm, you'll be kept safe. Lord, you are my secret hiding place, protecting me from these troubles, surrounding me with songs of gladness. Your joyous shouts of rescue release my breakthrough. I hear the Lord saying, I will stay close to you, instructing and guiding you along the pathway for your life. I will advise you along the way and lead you forth with my eyes as your guide. So don't make it difficult. Don't be stubborn when I take you where you've not been before. Don't make me tug you and pull you along. Just come with me. So, my conclusion is this. Many are the sorrows and frustrations of those who don't come clean with God. But when you trust in the Lord for forgiveness, His wraparound love will surround you. So celebrate the goodness of God. He shows this kindness to everyone who is His. Go ahead, shout for joy, all you upright ones who want to please Him. Obviously, I could not set it any better. However, I would add one thing. The temptation when we commit secret sins like this is to run away from God, or at least we hold Him at arm's length. The heart that is in pursuit of God runs to Him with the sacrifices of repentance and brokenness. Well... The consequences begin for David in 2 Samuel chapters 12 to 15. Coming out of the Bathsheba affair, God had told David some things about the consequences he would face as a result. 
In 12.10, he said, Now therefore the sword will never depart from your house. And in the next verse, Out of your own household I'm going to bring calamity upon you. These four chapters describe the sword of calamities that came upon David. Well, the child that Bathsheba bore as a result of the affair died. One of David's sons, Amnon, commits incest with his sister. Another of his sons, Absalom, kills Amnon. Absalom later conspired against David to take over his throne. David has to flee Jerusalem in shame as a result with people cursing him and showering him with rocks and dirt. It was a barrage of calamities. I mean, David was being carpet-bombed with them. He writes Psalm 3 during this time. It says right in the title, King David's song when he was forced to flee from Absalom, his own son. First is the humbling of the king in the first two verses. Lord, I have so many enemies, so many who are against me. Listen to how they whisper their slander against me, saying, look, he's hopeless. Even God can't save him from this. And then we have the help of God in the next two verses. But in the depths of my heart, I truly know that you, Yahweh, have become my shield. You take me and surround me with yourself. Your glory covers me continually. You lift high my head. I have cried out to you, Yahweh, from your holy presence. You send me a Father's help. And then the song of safety in the next two verses. So now I'll lie down and sleep like a baby. Then I'll awake in safety, for you surround me with your glory. Even though 10,000 dark powers prowl around me, I will not be afraid. And the secret of strength are in the last two verses. Rise up and help me, Yahweh. Come and save me, O God. For you will slap them in the face, breaking the power of their words to harm me. For the Lord alone is my Savior. What a feast of favor and bliss he gives his people. This psalm exemplifies the very reason that I am personally in pursuit of the heart of God. Because in the midst of all these calamities, he is not overwhelmed. He is able to summon up faith and hope because of a relationship with God. Now, Psalm 69 could have been written during this time, and if so, again, you can see how David's faith, hope, and love lifted him out of the mud and mire and set his feet upon a rock. And so in Psalm 69, it says, God, my God, come and save me. These floods of trouble have risen higher and higher. The water is up to my neck. I'm sinking into the mud with no place to stand, and I'm about to drown in this storm. I'm weary, exhausted with weeping. My throat is dry. My voice is gone. My eyes are swollen with sorrow, and I'm waiting for you, God, to come through for me. I can't even count all those who hate me for no reason. 
Many influential men want me silenced, yet I've done nothing against them. Must I restore what I never took away? God, my life is an open book to you. You know every sin I've ever done, for nothing within me is hidden from your sight. Lord Yahweh of angel armies, keep me from ever being a stumbling block to others, to those who love you. Lord God of Israel, don't let what happens to me be the source of confusion to those who are passionate for you. Because of my love for you, Lord, I have been mocked, cursed, and disgraced. Even my own brothers, those of my family, act as though they don't want anything to do with me. My love for you has my heart on fire. My passion for your house consumes me. Nothing will turn me away, even though I endure all the insults of those who insult you. When they see me seeking for more of you with weeping and fasting, they all just scoff and scorn at my passion. When I humble myself with sorrow over my sin, it gives them a reason to mock me even more. The leaders, the influential ones, how they scorn my passion for you. I've become the talk of the town, the theme of drunkards' songs. But I keep calling out to you, Yahweh. I know you will bend down to listen to me, for now is the season of favor. Because of your faithful love for me, your answer to my prayer will be my sure salvation. Pull me out of this mess. Don't let me sink. Rescue me from those who hate me and from all this trouble I'm in. Don't let this flood drown on me. Save me from these deep waters, or I'll go down to the pit of destruction. Oh, Lord God, answer my prayers. I need to see your tender kindness, your grace, your compassion, and your constant love. Just let me see your face and turn your heart toward me. Come running quickly to your servant. In this deep distress, come and answer my prayer. Come closer as a friend and redeem me. Set me free so my enemies cannot say that you are powerless. See how they dishonor me in shame and disgrace? You know, Lord, what I'm going through, and you see it all. I'm heartsick and heartbroken by it all. Their contempt has crushed my soul. I am burdened and broken by this pain. When your miracle rescue comes to me, it will lift me to the highest place. Then my song will be a burst of praise to you. My glory shouts will make your fame even more glorious to all who hear my praises. For I know, Yahweh, that my praises mean more to you than all my gifts and sacrifices. All who seek you will see God do this for them, and they'll overflow with gladness. Let this revive your hearts, all you lovers of God. For Yahweh does listen to the poor and needy, and will not abandon his prisoners of love. Let all the universe praise him, the high heavens and everyone on earth praise him. Let the oceans deep with everything in them keep it up. God will come to save his Zion people. God will build up his cities of Judah, for there, for there his people will live in peace. All their children will inherit the land and the lovers of his name will live there safe and secure. 
That is awesome. Now, in 2 Samuel 16 to 20, there is more on the escape from Jerusalem as Absalom approached with his army. God uses David's advisor to confound the advice being given to Absalom by his advisor. Absalom and his army go out to fight against David and his army. And sometime prior to this epic battle, David could have written Psalm 70 as a cry for help. Listen to these words. Please, Lord, come quickly and rescue me. God, show me your favor and restore me. Let all who seek my life be humiliated and confused. God, send them sprawling, all who wish me evil. They just want me dead. Scoff at every scoffer and cause them all to be utter failures. Let them be ashamed and horrified over their complete defeat. But let all who passionately seek you erupt with excitement and joy over what you've done. Let all your devoted lovers who continually rejoice in the Savior say aloud, How great and glorious is our God! Lord, in my place of weakness and need, won't you turn your heart toward me and hurry to help me? For you are my Savior, and I'm always in your thoughts." So don't delay to deliver me now, for you are my God. There is an enemy and an enemy's army coming for him. And instead of flipping out, (laughs) he continues to look to God for help and salvation. Now with that, let's pause and we'll see you soon with the next episode. And until then, God bless you.